Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Carl. Hi, Carl, says Pastor Joe. If you, if you are able, would you stand and for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from Jonah 4. Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at the dawn of the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it had withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But God said, you have, not been, con- you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it nor make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you this morning. We say, Lord, teach us about your mercy as you taught Jonah. Teach us about your grace and your goodness. Lord, open our minds and our hearts. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are concluding today this wonderful book, this wonderful series on the book of Jonah about the pouting prodigal prophet. We're concluding this book with chapter four, part four, and so I thought uh, we, we, would, we would conclude with what we should be doing all along, a three-point sermon. I've done some, t- I know, it's been, it's been a little while, so let's jump right in to this first point of this three-point sermon. God continues to run after us. If you're writing notes down, uh, God continues to run after us. This is the point. This is what the book of Jonah shows us, that God runs after us in his love and in his mercy. You know, most books, uh, prophet books in the Old Testament are about the writings of the prophet. Like God's word will come to a prophet and the prophet will say these things and that'll be the book. That's Isaiah, that's Jeremiah. Instead, the book of Jonah has it all backwards. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah and what does he do? He runs away. And what does God do? Point number one, he runs right after Jonah, chasing him down metaphorically in his love. And I think about this a lot. I think about uh, the, the point of New Life Manitou is, has always been, will always be to make disciples by calling them to worship 
connect and to serve. And this is what we do. We, we bring in disciples. We go out. We tell people. We, we say, let's worship together. Let's connect with one another. Let's serve. And sometimes people come in. We've seen people come in. And then I at least know people in, in my life. I've known people from the past that, that they're no longer following the Lord. They're no longer disciples. And sometimes people ask, well, where is God in their life? Do you want to know the answer? God is right there. God is chasing them down. That's what we see in the book of Jonah. God is right there hounding after them like the hound of heaven. In fact, that's a title of a poem by Francis Thompson. There was this guy that lived in the 1800s in England. He lived at a very hard time. London was going through an opium crisis. And this man by the name of Francis Thompson was very impacted by the opium uh, addiction. He was an addict and he was a believer and he would go back and forth between some times of sobriety and then falling deep into an opium addiction and an incredible, profound poet. In fact, G.K. Chesterton, if you've ever heard that name, he writes about how great uh, the the writings of Francis Thomas were. If you haven't heard of G.K. Chesterton, have you heard of J.R.R. Tolkien? Anybody? Yeah, okay, we got some nerds in here. He wrote specifically about this poem, The Hound of Heaven, and said that this poem was one of the most influential poems ever written in the English language. It is a poem about the Hound of Heaven who is God. God, if you've ever um, been familiar with like a bloodhound searching in the woods for a fugitive running away, God can be like that, but loving, chasing after us, even when we run from him, chasing us down like he did for Jonah in his love. Here's a part of that poem. It starts off like this, this uh, poet who is um, struggles in life with addiction and, and running from the Lord and, and seeking uh, back the Lord at certain days. He says this, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind, and in the midst of tears, I hid from him. And the poem goes on. It's quite a long poem about different ways in which this poet ran away from the Lord in life and in addiction and this and that. And the poem ends with the poet falling down. He's on the ground and he's been running and he can run no longer. And God himself, this hound of heaven, comes after him. And with an outstretched arm, the poet's face is in the shadow of the Lord's arm. He sees God and who it is that's been chasing him and says this very famous line um, because the poem is kind of about like trying to search for love and, and, and running away from God to try to find these different things. And he ends up saying the last line of the poem, paraphrasing, it says, I when I drove you away, when I ran away from you, I was running away from love. When I drove you away, I was driving away love. And the poem ends with the Lord's outstretched arm to this man. on the ground. And I think about that poem. I think about the story of the prodigal son. And I think about the book of Jonah, all with the same theme that the Lord is running after us. God calls Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh, go preach. Where does Jonah go? 
He goes the exact opposite way. He goes down to Tarshish. He tries to run away from God. And all throughout this little series, we've been saying how this this book of Jonah, it's quite silly at times. It's quite satirical at times. It's metaphor. It's irony. It's really well written. And it's kind of ridiculous. Like that someone like Jonah, a prophet, would literally try to run. Like literally he goes to a boat and tries to sail away from God. Is that silly? Yes, that's silly. That's ridiculous. It's satire. It's really well written. It's it's like what we do. We do silly things to get away from God. And where is God? He's right there running after us. Here's some more satire in this book of Jonah. We have stereotypical characters doing the exact opposite of what we think the stereotypical character should do. For instance, Jonah is a prophet. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah to preach, to prophesy. And what does he do? He does the exact opposite. He runs away. He runs to a bunch of sailors. Sailors don't usually have the best reputation. In fact, if someone was to say, man, you're talking like a sailor, do they mean you're talking eloquently and full of grace and saying wonderful, nice things? No, it's the exact opposite. Sailors' ports, are they known for like great, wonderful, churchy type things? No, the exact opposite, like the things you can imagine, the diseases, the STDs, the the, the drug use, the whatever, the sailor's port. So he goes to these sailors, and you would think that these sailors would be the ones running from God and doing bad things, but the storm comes, and what do the sailors do? They cry out to God, where is the prophet? He's below deck. He's sleeping. He wakes up, sees the storm. He says, the storm is because of me. Throw me into the water. And so he puts the blood of himself on these poor sailors' hands. Who's crying out to God? The sailors. In fact, they cry out to the Lord. They cry out to Yahweh while Jonah is hiding in the depths of the boat. Says, throw me over. And they do. And then what happens? We all know this part. The kids know this part. What happens? Get swallowed by a giant fish. Here is uh, the fish that Theo, he's four years, uh, three years old, uh, just turned three. He made this last week. It's got glue on it. On the inside, you can see like the, the fish's, you see the fish's belly in there. He spent some time drawing that. Um, so all the kids know. Here's Jonah. He's tossed into the water. What happens to Jonah? swallowed up by the giant fish whale sea beast. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have no idea what this thing was, but it swallows Jonah in the belly of the whale. We finally find Jonah turning to the Lord. It's a prayer of repentance, but actually he never says he's sorry. If you go back and read that, he's a little stubborn still, but he does turn to the Lord. The Lord relents, and then the Lord has the, the whale does, you know what it says? Vomits up Jonah. And Jonah finally goes to Nineveh to preach. And the Ninevites, they repent happily ever after the story ends there. Right? No, we've been talking about there's a whole nother chapter. That's the way the kids version ends. And I don't blame anybody for telling the story that way, that the, the Jonah goes to Nineveh and the Ninevites repent. 
the end, happily ever after. Everyone's, uh, you know, singing and dancing. And oh, what a wonderful story. That's where the kids' version ends. I don't blame them for ending there because what happens next, chapter four, what we talked about last week, what we're going to talk about this week is confusing stuff for adults, not just kids. We find out that in Nineveh, there is a king. And the king is the stereotype of a really bad dude. If you know the Assyrian Empire and you know anything about it. They are bad, wicked people. They are known for having the first ever standing army. So even at this, when there's time of not war, there's a standing army ready to fight. This was like a new thing back in the day. And they were big, bad warrior people who took pride in humiliating and devastating their enemies. Just yesterday, I was looking at some relief, like stone relief uh, art from the, the ancient Assyrian empire. And one of them caught my attention. It's these two Assyrian soldiers holding down someone who is their enemy, and this poor man is doing something, and the, uh, the historians say that what this man is being forced to do is to crush the bones of his own family and kids. And so the Assyri- this is a bad group of people, these Assyrians and the capital being Nineveh, and the king of Assyria, this stereotypical, horrible, bad dude, what does he do? He hears the message of Jonah preaching in the city, and what does he do? Do you know? He repents. He orders everyone to repent. And so all of Nineveh, this whole city that's this big bad city, they're stereotypical, horrible people there. They all repent and they fast. They say, Lord, we're not going to eat anything. We're going to show you how serious we are in repenting. We're going to put on sackcloth, some clothes that are very uncomfortable, and we're going to put them on to show you how serious we are about repenting. And then it says, we're even going to make our animals repent. And then we're going to even make our animals put on sackcloth. So they make little sackcloth suits and put them on all their little animals. And a couple weeks ago, I told you how funny I thought this was. And y'all just looked at me like I was crazy. But then this week, I did some research and I found a doctorate in Hebrew. This guy by the name of Tim Mackey, who does the Bible Project. He puts out a lot of YouTube videos. If you ever like type in a book of the Bible and then find uh, the Bible Project video, they have like five, 10 minute little YouTube videos on books of the Bible. They're wonderful. They're awesome. The guy doing them has a PhD in Hebrew. He said that this is funny. And I was like, yes, I told you guys. This was meant to be funny. Little animals with little sackcloth suits and little sackcloth booties and little sackcloth hats. It's funny. It's meant to be funny. Like there's satire here. There's some humor here. There's this, it, the book of Jonah is incredibly written well. It is very memorable. And so imagine this whole town fasting, putting on sackcloth, and the Lord relents. And then we find that Jonah is very unhappy about that. And this, this is the part where like this story becomes kind of a story no longer good for kids. Because it's like, well, why is Jonah so mad that the people repented? Shouldn't we be happy about that? Yes, we should. And it's like, well, this story gets a little confusing. So point number two is this. The Lord gives and takes away. The Lord provides here for Jonah an object lesson. He's going to get to see something 
And then the Lord is going to say, see, see how you feel about this whole thing. This is how I love the Ninevites. Let's read it. Carl did a great job. And so let's remind ourselves of of what's going on here. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Last week we mentioned that whenever someone goes east, they're usually in exile. looks like Jonah here is self-exiling himself away from the Lord. There he made a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he's in a shelter. He's, he's somewhat shaded, but it's going to say later that there, there's no shade for his head. You'll see. Verse 6 says, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy. Some versions say exceedingly happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm that chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. So here's the scene. Let's, let's kind of paint the picture a little bit. The, the shelter that he probably built was probably out of rocks. We're here in the Middle East. It's not a very uh, leafy. This isn't, this isn't like the, the Everglades in Florida where there's trees and shade everywhere. This is the arid uh, desert uh, region of the Middle East. And so he probably built a shelter out of stones. And maybe his back and body was shaded, but not his head. But then God provides this uh, big uh, it's kikakon, kikayon in the Hebrew. We really don't know what it is. It's some sort of plant that ends up being shade for Jonah, which provided a great amount <coughs> of relief. Uh, I had the wonderful privilege this last September of going to Israel and we had all, we had this tour guide that was from he was a Jewish guy that had become a Christian back in his uh, in his youth, and um, he was our tour guide. He was in his seventies. He had more energy than all of us put together. He had the 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 tan olive skin, and he could just stand out in the sun for hours on end talking to us about the various sites. And so we'd go to a site, uh, to Jerusalem, or we went to uh, Masada. There's no shade anywhere. And he would just keep talking. He's, he's got long sleeves. He's got a button up. He's got pants. And we, like white American team, we're all dying and getting sunburns, except for me, because I had, and everyone made fun of it. Everyone thought this was so funny. In the first couple of days of the trip, I had an umbrella. I'd get off the bus, and I was just like Mary Poppins, put up my little umbrella. And on the first day, they were just like, make it. What are you, an old lady? You got an umbrella? He's like, darn right I do. I need some shade. And after day one, everybody got sunburns. On day two, people started standing a little closer to me. Like, hey, you mind if I stand right here? On day four, five, and six, like people started buying umbrellas. It's like, oh, well, Joe's onto something. He's not, he's not dying. And so I think about this story. And poor Jonah is in the heat of the sun. He's got some sort of shelter. It looks like his head is exposed to the sun. And then the Lord provides a plant. And he, it says that Jonah is exceedingly happy about this. And I have a couple random rabbit trails for you today. This will start rabbit trail random number one. A lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, maybe two people in my life um, have said that this plant, and we're in Manitou, so this this might not surprise you. Some of you might know where I'm going with this. But they'll say, see this plant? Jonah became exceedingly happy. I know what this was. It's recreational the marijuana. And I'm like, are you 
kidding me? It, let's just look at it. I just thought I've heard this enough randomly. I heard it twice uh, to at least to honor the humor of this. Um, and, and it says right here what Jonah was happy about. What's it say? Well, the plant provided him shade, which made him exceedingly happy. So don't do that. Like, don't twist the Bible. Don't make it your pet. Don't do that. Let's keep moving on. So the plant comes up. Jonah gets really mad because the next day the Lord provides this worm, a grub, and the grub eats the plant. And he's so mad, not because he's a vegetarian, but because the plant then goes away and now the sun is beating on his head. Brett Davis, he couldn't be here this morning, but he and I were joking about titles for the sermon, which Dan, when you, when you post this, the title of the sermon is Of Grubs and gourds, because the the King James translates this uh, vine as a gourd. Of grubs and gourds is the title of the sermon. So Jonah is exceedingly mad because a grub was provided by the Lord, eats the plant. I imagine it like just picking at the, the root or something and eating it, and then the whole thing dies. And then Jonah's head is getting scorched in the sun, and he's so mad he wants to die. Imagine the cartoon where like the character turns yellow, then orange, and then red, and then his head's steaming, and throws, someone cracks an egg on his head, and it's boiling and frying. Like that's how mad Jonah is is. He's delirious. He's confused. He does not see the big picture of what the Lord is doing here. I think about, I was watching a YouTube. I watch quite a few YouTube videos. It's, it's something I do. I guess I should do other things, but there, there could be worse. And I almost always watch educational things. And it's very funny to see like what comes up in your recommended videos. This week, it was like 59 ways to cook an egg. And it was like a 30 minute video. And it's like, why would anyone watch this? And then I thought, I wonder what those ways are. So then, 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, wow, that, I, I know all the ways to cook an egg now. And then, like, this week, uh, a recommended video was, who would win, a grizzly bear versus a gorilla? And I was like, who would ever watch this? Then I thought, I wonder who would win. And I, it's, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, the grizzly bear, that makes sense. Okay, whatever. Um, but I watched this video about a guy, and I talked to Kurt Arnoldusen, who's into wrestling, and he said, this, this is actually a, a practice. So I watched this 20-minute documentary on uh, wrestlers and boxers cutting weight and doing some very dangerous things. And Kurt has said that people have actually died doing this. It's very, words like dumb, stupid, unhealthy, unwise come to mind. But I watched this documentary about a guy who tried to cut uh, 15 pounds, and he only weighed 160, 15 pounds in 48 hours. And so he stopped eating, and he stopped drinking, and he went into the sauna, and then a hot tub, and then hot towels, and then rest. And he did this for 48 hours, and he lost, he didn't even lose the 15 pound, which is insane because it's like a gallon of water is like eight pounds. So it's like two gallons of water coming off this guy's body just to cut down to, to wrestle. I think he was a boxer to, to box at an, another weight class. And this is dangerous. This is don't do this at home. But I just thought about Jonah because at the end of this video, this guy is completely delirious. He's hating everything. He hates everyone. He hates boxing. Never going to do this. I hate everything. And I think about Jonah being hating the Lord, hating everything, hating the Ninevites, wanting to absolutely die. Why? Well, the big picture here is that the Lord had grace on the Ninevites. And so he self-exiles himself. He goes, sits out in the sun, waiting for the Lord to destroy Nineveh, which he's not going to do, just because he hates these enemies and hates the Lord. And then just what a, a, a scene 
scene of dehydration from like literal water, but then the spiritual life water that the Lord is trying to give to him. Point number three is this. God has great concern for us. God has great concern for us. God has great concern for Jonah out in the sun getting baked. He has great concern for um, the, the Ninevites. In fact, the, Jonah has exactly 39 words in Hebrew and God has exactly 39 words in the Hebrew and we will read those words here. Jonah's words were mainly, I want to die. I'm sick of you and I'm sick of your grace. I knew that you were merciful and forgiving. I knew this is the whole reason why I fled. Uh, instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish because he knew the Lord was full of grace and mercy and compassion. Those are Jonah's 39 words. And then here, let's listen to what the Lord says, the Lord's 39 words in Hebrew to Jonah. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and so many animals? Question mark. The end. The book of Jonah ends very unusually. Like, and the animals? The end. And then, like, credits start playing. Like, if you're in a movie theater, like, like listening or watching this uh, book of Jonah play out, and you're sitting there, and you're eating your popcorn, you're getting your junior mints, you got your big tub of, like, half gallon of Coke, and you're just, you know, the movie's starting to get good, and then all the animals, the end, and the lights come on. You'd be like, what is going, is this it? You're, like, looking up at the projectors, like, is somebody back there? Is this really the end? Yes. This is the end. It ends very abruptly. It ends funny. Like once again, like call, it's almost like a, a comedian doing a callback. And those animals, like, and your mind goes back to those little sackcloth, sackcloth booties and little hats and little gloves and little shirts of sackcloth for the animals. Like that's how it ends. And we're invited into the story to kind of reconsider, like what is this book really about. I think about, um, I'm going to mention a couple movies that end very abruptly. And, and whenever I mention movies, I'm not saying to, I'm, I'm recommending the movies. Uh, you shouldn't watch movies. I just watch movies for cultural significance to be a better preacher. Um, <laughs> I actually don't watch a lot of movies. I think I watch YouTube videos. I don't know. It's weird. So anyways, uh, I, in fact, I had a, a college pastor back uh, years ago. Um, he, he, used, he said the, this movie and then gave several sermon illustrations. It had just come out and um, said, oh, you all got to go see this movie. It's great. It's awesome. So some of us got together. Uh, it was out on a DVD to rent from some of you remember going to Blockbuster Video. That's what this is back like 2000. So we, we went out, the group of us, uh, and we rented this movie from Blockbuster. Some of you will never know what it was like uh, to go to Blockbuster and pick out a video and go home and watch it like it's just too easy now. But uh, so we get this video, we go home uh, to one of our houses and watch it. And it's horrible. Like there's nudity, there's sex scenes, plural. There's the bad words. There's just the course. And we're all in mixed company, just like, gosh, why would the pastor say to go watch this movie? And we even go to him like the next week and say, hey, man, that movie. It's like, yeah, wasn't that movie great? And we're like, no, it wasn't. And we said, you know, what about this scene and that? And he was like, 
what are you talking about? And we're like, yeah, are we talking about the same movie? It turned out he had seen the movie on a plane, like not today, like when everybody has their own little screen, but like back in the day, do you remember this? Anybody remember where there was like a couple screens for the whole plane? Everybody saw the same movie, so they edited it down and take away. So he saw this version of the movie that was cut down to, I imagine about half, because the movie was pretty bad. And it, so he was talking about how great it was, and we all got it. And so anyways, if I say a movie, that doesn't mean to go out and watch the movie. Um, but this movie isn't as bad as that movie. The in, have you seen Inception? The movie ends with like the spinning of this top. And it's this, it's spoiler alert, but if the if this top stops spinning, then they're in a dream. Or if it keeps going, they're not a dream. Or the other way around, can't remember. And it just ends like it's a cliffhanger. And the, the lights come up and you're like, whoa, like I got to go back and rewatch this movie to try to figure it out. I think Jonah may be in some ways like that. It just ends. And you're like, wait, it just ended? Like, should I go back and rewatch and re-read the book of Jonah. What have I missed here? This book is much deeper than just a story about a guy that gets eaten by a sea monster and then spit out. This story is deep, deep, deep. I think about another movie that just kind of abruptly ends uh, the movie Signs, M. Night Shyamalan. The aliens come and attack and it's building up these different plot lines and, and you're like expecting a war with these aliens that come to Earth and then all of a sudden it's found out that the aliens all the aliens get the common cold and they die, movie over. Like, that's it? Like, the common cold? They're all dead now? Like, this is it? It just ends? And I think about, maybe I should say, should we, I'm going to do a rabbit trail within a rabbit trail, an inception of rabbit trails. See what I just did there? The, the, I think there's, I just need to mention that the, the virus the, that's on the news, um, I imagine people either didn't come today because of the virus or they lost an hour of sleep either. I don't know. Uh, but the, the virus, I, I just think about like as a church, like we should not be governed by fear. Like we know the Lord, we know the creator and, and we shouldn't be silly or, or stupid about uh, not washing our hands as the news tells us. We have, they have hand sanitizer and to remind us like the communion servers, we, they use hand sanitizer just in case you were wondering. Uh, it's, it's probably Probably of all the different ways churches do communion, that if one person is handing out the, the bread, it seems to be a, a, the safe way to do it. The only problem would be is if you get the bread, and what we do is we dip it. So as long as your fingers and your whole hand doesn't go in, we should be fine. So take your time, celebrate the Lord's communion when we get there. So anyways, let's back up out of these rabbit trails. I, f- I felt like I just needed to mention that, and it felt like signs and the com- everyone dying of the common cold was an appropriate time. So anyways, <laughs> we, are, we are back out of all of the rabbit trails to the book of Jonah that just ends abruptly. And it ends abruptly. I, I think, I mean, the writing of the book of Jonah is it's beyond us. It's really well written. This is not a children's story as it is written here. The metaphors, the satire, the, I mean, even the counting of Jonah's 39 words to Yahweh's 39 words. This is well thought out. The ending isn't by mistake. And I think what this ending does is it holds up a mirror to ourselves. It ends so abruptly that we're like, what was that? Well, what's going on in me right now? Um, we, we look at ourselves as we read the book of Jonah, and it ends with a question, a question that we kind of have to answer. God asked this question, and if I were to paraphrase, I would say, can't I have um, grace? Can't I pity 
those that are horrible? Can't I pity those that are damned? Can't I pity those that are sinful? Can't I pity these wicked people and even their animals? Can't, don't I have the right to pity them, Jonah? And he talks, he goes through this, this vine thing where it's like, you didn't, you had this vine and now you're so mad, but you didn't tend for it, you didn't care for it. And, and God compares that to the Ninevites, the, the city of people, 120,000 people that are misguided. There's this phrase, they don't even know their right hand from the left. They're misguided. They are wicked people, but I'm going to have mercy on them. I'm even going to have mercy on their animals just like you are not having mercy on a silly plant, on a silly vine. You don't get this, Jonah. Don't I have the right to be merciful to them? Brett Davis and I were talking, and he said, uh, he gave a sermon illustration last Friday when he spoke on this passage. He said, God the Father is not the Godfather, to reference another movie that you should not watch. Uh, the Godfather like breaks the kneecap. He's a goon that you know just is out to destroy his personal enemies. God is a loving Father that warns Nineveh to return to Him, so that in God's grace, mercy can be shown to these Ninevites who would turn. The Book of Jonah is a mirror to us. I think a lot of people can say, "Oh yeah, I know God loves the world. Oh yeah, I know God loves everybody." But sometimes it's really hard to hold the mirror up to yourself and say, God loves me. Like God loves us. And I think that's what the book of Jonah invites us to do. And so as we close today, I think about um, this question that God asks of Jonah. The question that God asks of us is, is it okay if God loves your enemy? Is it okay if God loves the really wicked people in this earth? Is it okay that God loves and in his justice, in his mercy, God has all things under his control? Are you aware today that God is not just chasing down people in his love, but God is actually chasing down you. He's chasing down me. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, if you would, would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna bow our heads and, and quiet ourselves. The band can come up to to lead us. But Lord, we pray to you now. We pray to you this morning, and Lord, we thank you. This image of you running after us. And while we run away, while we do things that we know that, that are not pleasing to you, Lord, you're right there running after us. To summarize all of Christianity, to summarize the whole religion, we believe that you, Lord, the creator of all, came to this earth as one of us. That you gave your life, you died on a cross that's in the center of this room. We're reminded of that, Lord, that you've taken away our sins and you again and again and again run after us in your love and in your mercy to show us just how much you love us, to give us salvation, that we can just lay and, and return to you and, and look up to you and you are there to lift us up and to save us. So, Lord, we praise you, we worship you.